Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Buy the Hood podcast or webcast because I don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to any and everyone who supports us. Special shout out to all the students from Buy the Hood University, as well as all the youth from our Buy the Hood ownership camp. Um, you're probably checking this out right before the holidays. So happy holidays to everyone. Um, if you, you know, you celebrate and if you don't, you know, shout out to you anyway. Um, But our platform, as you know, is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing amazing work. Um, My partner, Corey, is not here with me right now. He's actually teaching a class for the youth. But, you know, we got to highlight this sister right here. She's doing amazing work. Her story is phenomenal. We spoke on a panel together. And when I heard her story, like it gave me chills. So I said, listen, um, I definitely want to get you to come on to the podcast, share your story with our audience, because I'm pretty sure that someone can be inspired by your journey. So without further ado, I have our sister Coco Kearns on. Coco, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I I mean, I'm in a really good space. I can't complain. Um, You know, I feel like I've worked so hard and prayed so hard to get where I am. If if I'm upset in any type of situation, I feel like that's kind of like me being ungrateful um, when, you know, I've been blessed to do the things that I'm doing and currently like fulfilling my purpose. So I'm good. Nah, that's amazing. Space. That's amazing to hear. Listen, so you told some of your story, but I want you to share with our audience. Um, and you were very transparent. It was moving. Um, tell us about uh, you know, where you were born, raised. Um, and you know, give us a little bit about your background. Uh, absolutely. So I was born and raised um from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, North Philly to be exact. Because if you are from Philly and you already know, um, we always always specify what part of the city. So I'm from North Philly, um, 32nd and Diamond. I went to Strawberry Mansion High School, graduated from there in 2011, um, and you know from there went to college at Clark Atlanta got my master's at Drexel University and I had moved back to the city. But just in terms of my upbringing and where I come from, um, I came from a single household, single family household. My dad was part of the picture for the most part. Um, And then he left when I was like, I'll say eight. And that has, you know, changed my life. But both with me living in a house with my parents um, prior to my dad leaving, um, both of my parents struggled with drug addiction. And so even at seven, seven or eight, when my dad left, you know, my dad was like my world. Um, I was always the daddy's girl, point blank period. It didn't matter. I, I, If I had to choose between any parent, it was always him or anybody. It was always him. Um, and then when he left the household, like, of course, my whole life changed. I didn't care to celebrate holidays, birthdays or anything um, because my dad made me feel very special. Like everything was always about me. Um, and that changed. And so, you know, growing up, my mom didn't know how to be a mom. And she had me at 30. She had my sister at 23. So it wasn't a situation where as though she was such a young parent. Um, But one thing I do know and understand that I understand a whole lot about drug addiction. And so me being in a household, um, having two parents, regardless if they were in the household together or not, addicted to drugs, I knew for sure what I did not want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that. 
I knew that the only way for me to get out of my current situation was to make the best of it. And so school was always my way of out. I would stay at school as long as I could stay at school. I would get involved with any type of after school programs or whatever it is that I can do to make sure that, you know, I was on the right track because I was taught, you know, like a lot of students are taught or kids are taught the American dream. You go to school, you go to college, you get a job and and that's it. You know, make sure that your job has benefits and you're good to go. And so, you know, I took that and I took that very well. Um, And so I would literally school was my way of out. Um, I shared this at the panel as well. At 10 years old, you know, I experienced my mom. At, you know, she had an overdose. She overdosed in front of me. And I 10 on my way to, I was in fifth grade. And so if this is happening and, and I still, at the end of the day, went to school and got to school on time. And there's mm-hmm. so many things that happen, you know, in our lifestyles and, and kids upbringing that people don't necessarily know about. And you don't see that at face value. So as a former educator, um, I look into all of that, you know, and when I'm ever educating a, pe- a person or people in general, I'm trying to, you know, get through to the whole person, not just a part of the person. 10% of what you do as an educator is teach. The other 90 is building relationships. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, right? So um, I have a couple questions based upon what you said. Did you have a yeah. teacher or someone in the neighborhood or maybe someone at school that um, recognized maybe your struggle in like, you know, went out of their way to help you along your journey? Absolutely. So one of my teachers, she was my teacher from sixth to eighth grade, and she's like a mother to me. Like her and I talk literally like every single day. Um, her name is Aisha Blackshear. And I don't think had it not been for her and she was one of the first black teachers that I had. And so her approach was different. Like she would come through the neighborhood, drive through, you know, sit on the steps like she would really, you know, be she was a part of our lives and still is to this day. And I'm 28. Mm. And shout out to her. We want to make sure we give her a shout out and shout out to all the teachers that go above and beyond um, because you guys are superheroes. It's interesting because my partner, Corey, um, who still teaches to this day, and I'll be telling him, like, you don't have to teach no more. He's like, I got to be there for these kids, especially as a black man being in the school district. Um, And it's it's, man. So it's a lot of ways I want to go with the story based upon what you said. Um, But one of the things is uh, some of the things you see in the inner city, specifically in Philadelphia, that's normal to us, you realize isn't normal, right? Um, as you as you, you grow and get out of there. Um, recently, Corey and I did a talk for a, a school in Philadelphia. Um, and what was crazy is we were talking to the students and we asked them, did anybody know anyone personally to die from gun violence? And we literally had every hand raised. Yeah. I've never seen nothing like every single student in this school. This is in North Philadelphia. I'm not going to mention the school or any um, kids, but every single student knew someone personally that died of gun violence, right? So when you talk about drug addiction, gun violence, things that plague our communities, um, this is what makes your story so powerful, right? So education was your way out. And you talked about, um, you know, the teacher that you had that helped you get through that. So um, leaving Mansion, you're, you're, I guess your dream was always to go to college. You got in the clock. That's yeah. a pretty, that's an amazing school. Like, so what was that journey? What was that journey like? Oh, going to, listen, one of my mentors, he um, was my mentor from high school, uh, Lieutenant Nordine. So he said to me, all of my kids go to HBCUs before they go anywhere. Because my whole thing was I was going to be a lawyer and I was going to Harvard. 
that that was it. I was going straight to Harvard. I wasn't doing nothing else. In my mind, I was like, I've been around black people all my life. I'm I'm, I'm going to go to Harvard and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And he and he stopped me. And I, when I tell you, I'm so grateful for him um, and that experience alone. One because had it not been for him and two other my two other mentors that I had, which was my high school principal and another um, officer who worked for the school district of Philadelphia. Had it not been for them, I would. I, that's how I went on my first HBCU college tour. Um, mm -hmm. And they sent me on a college tour, stayed at the schools. It was amazing. But when I got to Clark, I, I didn't, I've never felt the way that I felt before. I felt like Atlanta is just the Mecca. It's mm -hmm. like, it's the place for black people. I felt, Felt like I was in a great space. I didn't feel like I was competing, you know, against anybody. Now there was definitely competition, but it was like, oh, like I'm here to do exactly whatever it is that I can do and help you at the same time. My professors pushed me. I joined my sorority. So I'm a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated Sigma chapter. I crossed 2014. That was an experience in itself. Um, and when I tell you, if I if I was late to a class, if I didn't show up to a class, I'm, when I tell you my professors were calling me or texting mm -hmm. me like, hey, what's going on? Where you at? And I didn't have that. You know, even when I went to school, I was 18. Mm -hmm. And so um, 28 now and my mom have 18 years clean. You know, thank God. Congratulations. But, yeah, congratulations. Yes, shout out to her. Um, but at that moment, she still didn't. She still didn't know how to be a mom, and that's not anything that I faulted her for because of her upbringing, right? And mm -hmm. so, a lot of us only know what we experience, and that's learned behavior. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, me leaving Philly, going to Atlanta, that was twelve hours away by car, um, and not having nobody there, and the same exact thing happened. Literally, how my teachers um, and mentors, teachers turned mentors, took care of me when I was in middle school and high school. The same thing happened with my professors, and I'm grateful. I'm so mm. grateful for them. Oh, you got a real village around you. It must be something about you no, that everyone, you know, you, you're protected. That's amazing. Um, absolutely. Yeah, that HBCU experience is something else. So I went to Lincoln, right? So I understand, like, being on a campus of HBCU, it's hard to explain to someone who's never been through it, right? Um, right. When you see people that look like you and they're there for, um, you know, a higher purpose. So that's that's dope um, from going to Clark. And you said you got your master's from Drexel. Yes. That's dope, too. Um, what's your master's in? Thank you. Educational leadership. Okay. Uh, yeah, I got my master's from Drexel as well. Um, some okay. Real yeah, yeah. So, you know, we got that connection. So it's in real estate. But but anyway, um, so so now what starts you down your journey of getting it? Because you're you're in you're, you're a complete entrepreneur at this point. I've you know, I follow your page. So I've seen, you know, your real estate. You got the vending business. You got everything going on. You out here getting to it. Stock options. What was that journey like? How did you go from that? Because you were an educator, right? You worked in the school district. So how did you go from working in the school district to, yeah. you know, then getting into yeah. entrepreneurship? Absolutely. So when I when I got home from um, Clark Atlanta, 2015 is when I moved back to uh, Philadelphia. And when I came home, gentrification was through the roof. Like it really was a thing. And I could not like honestly couldn't believe what I was looking at. I'm like, wow, I grew up in low income housing, like literally Section 8. And those houses are 700,000. I'm in my mind like there is no way that this is a thing. Like, what? <laughs> I started being all time. I, I when I came back, I'm telling I had frequently like came back during breaks, but I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I was like, wait, huh? And I kept hearing like 
friends who I had went to school with high school, they like, yeah, you know, so-and-so had to move or this person had to move. And I was like, why? So even if they, if, if they were still, you know, um, living in low-income housing or what have you, they were getting moved all over the city or out mm -hmm. of Philadelphia County. Um, and yeah. I was like, well, what is going on? And then Temple continued that Temple is aggressively buying up every single thing. So much happening, like even the housing projects are different. Their stipulations are different now. So I'm looking like, wow. Um, so when I got back, I saw that. And my realtor who actually watched me grow up, I follow her on Instagram. And she was like, oh, you can own what you, you probably, she, her post says something like, you probably spend more in rent than what you can spend spending mortgage and I was like mm, okay cool so when I got back I moved I did teach for America um I moved in a condo with two other girls who did TFA and so we were all roommates three bedroom three bath condo spending two thousand dollars a month mm -hmm. on this condo and I was like we're across the street from a project that they didn't even fix up yet and spending how much like that's crazy I have I don't have a problem living in the hood at all yeah. At all, but I just couldn't believe what we were spending. Given a, I can look out my window and I'm just like, what? You know, the math, the math in that situation. So <laughs> it just didn't. It wasn't adding up. So I said, you know what? I got to do. I got to figure this out. And so I'm. I've always been a risk taker. Always been a risk taker. And because I grew up a certain way, like I grew up literally thinking, having my mindset that I got to save, 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 because I know what it is to not have. I know what it is to not eat. I know what it is to not have a phone on. I know what it is to not to have a bill or something, uh, something off or having, you know, my parent, my mom you know, experience her live paycheck to paycheck and literally barely making bills. So mm -hmm. when I graduated 2015, I get back to Philly. I'm watching all this. I had started my job. Um, I was making $46,000. I had mm -hmm. never made $46,000 in my life. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I lived a pretty good life. You know, I had a car. I didn't have a car. Nope. Um, I was like, there's literally nothing else that I spend my money on other than travel and me traveling. Like I travel on a nice low budget. So I was able to save 1300 a month. Okay. So I'm saving 1300 a month. I'm on Instagram. So I see, I reach out to my realtor. Um, yes, me. So I reach out to her and I'm like, Hey, you know, I see you posting this. What's going on? Now, a lot of people, um, I hear a lot of people say, oh, my God, you know, I dreamed about being a homeowner. I dreamed about this. I didn't dream about none of that. And I talked to <laughs> my well, Seriously, I didn't dream. I've, I've been to 37 countries. Okay. I've never dreamed about that. You know, a lot of the things that I do, I never dreamed about. And and this is what I'm about to say is super duper important because a lot of people don't understand that when you come from a certain place, your vision is limited. You don't, you don't, you're, you don't have your, my wildest dream was to go to Disney world at 15 years old. That was my wildest dream wow. when you're, yeah. When you're living in poverty and you come from that, you know, you can't see yourself outside of your current situation. So when people are judging other communities or people who live in poverty or what have you and not understanding what's actually going on and how their experience in life have limited them to an extent that they don't even believe that anything greater than what they currently have is for them. I understand that because that was me. Yeah, that's that's an amazing point. And I'm glad you said that because um, so we, we do a lot of work in the community. And one of the things we do is speak at the Youth Study Center. Yeah. And, and when you hear the, the, uh, 
the, the young men there and they tell their stories of, you know, not, not mm-hmm. being able to eat, you know, having seen their mom in months, like it's easy to judge them and judge everything that happens, but you don't know their stories or how they came up. The average person that's judging them couldn't, couldn't even live, you know, the way they've lived. Like, so some of the stories I hear are heartbreaking, but that's why you, you know, you got to um, have empathy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You got to have Absolutely. empathy. Yeah. And, and, even in that, in a situation like that, like I had a kid when I was teaching on Zoom, send me a message like, hey, you know, I wasn't here yesterday because my mom got killed. You know, I found my mom, like, it's so much. And I'm sitting here like, and you on this computer right now, you know, yeah, so when we yeah. think about even the whole pandemic situation. And I know this mm-hmm. is kind of going off, but it's like, it's people living in poverty. It's not that they don't care about COVID. We've been living in a pandemic our entire lives. So mm-hmm. this means absolutely nothing if we always, always, always made the best of our situation. It's not yeah. that we're concerned, but I literally got to walk up, look over my back. It just, just walking down the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. sitting in my house, like the violence and everything that's going on is through the roof. But, um, I reached out to the realtor and she, you know, so I'm like, hey, what's going on? I, I, I'm interested. And I, I'm not going to lie. I was scared. I'm always like when I'm about to do something crazy, I'm like nervous, like, oh, my God, what is going? Mm-hmm. what am I about to do? When I tell you, I feel like we saw over 30 houses and I was just like, oh, God. And I, I know that I wanted to be in my neighborhood. So I mm-hmm. wanted to buy in my neighborhood, which is Strawberry Mansion. I you could. I'm telling you. So a lot of people be like, well, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to do that? And I used to teach my kids this too, that making it out the hood is a mindset. Yep. In my mind, you haven't made it out the hood until you came back, bought in your hood and taught others how to do it because everybody didn't have, you know, the access or access to the people that I had access to. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So the resources that I had, I can be a resource in my own community to continue putting people in position. Facts. Well, no, I, I'm, I'm not the person. And still to this day, I still got my house in the hood and I live there. Mm-hmm. Now I travel a lot, but you know, that's mm-hmm. my residence. And that's important um, for you to do. It's important for people in the neighborhoods to see people that look like them that aren't doing all the craziness. Absolutely. And that's the part, like you have to see it to believe it. When I was in high school and I saw all of the people coming in, they would have motivational speakers or what have you come. I'm 15, 16, whatever. I'm sitting there like, man, y'all just got lucky. Even if they had somebody who came and was like, you know, I went to jail and now I'm 45 and I did 10, 20, 15 years. And now I have X, Y, and Z. In my mind, that's not somebody I can relate to Mm -hmm. because I'm living in that. I'm living that right now. I'm 15. Tell me what what can I do right now? I don't have no money. There's nothing I can do with credit. It, what can I do? So, mm-hmm. you know, even in that aspect, when I decided not to go to law school and to jump in a classroom, I knew for sure I said to Teach for America, if y'all don't place me in Philadelphia, I'm not I'm not taking a job. Mm-hmm. I had to get home first. Yeah. Uh, Georgia, Atlanta was great, but that's not that's not my community. Mm-hmm. I don't speak the same language as the kids in Atlanta. And that doesn't mean that I wouldn't be, you know, great there, but I wanted to get back. I was 22 in the classroom. I'm 4'11 right now. All of my kids <laughs> are bigger than me. Yeah. All but of no, them are bigger than me. But it's important. So, that's important work. Like that's, that's like I said, that's important work. That's important work. So when you went along this journey with your real estate agent, when you finally found a property, um, you know, how did you make the transition from just getting that one property in your neighborhood? to figuring out like, this is something I can do and I can make money other ways outside of teaching. What was that? Yep. 
So I literally started educating myself. And when I tell you I started educating myself, I was on Instagram. I was on YouTube, but primarily on Instagram. And I tell people we spend so much time on this app. And while it is a lot of fluff and it's a lot of things that you, you know, you should be Mm -hmm. filtering through, it still sparks some type of interest. So when I heard about business credit and LLCs and nobody taught me none of that, even though I didn't had two degrees, nobody taught me anything about what made you interested in the beginning with. Right. Because like you just said, when you're on IG, like there's different silos in IG, you got like LLC, you got all kinds of IGs. Right. What made you interested in like, you know, business credit, those things to begin with. What was it that made you say, let me like study this? It was too good to be true. Ah, That's what made me interested. Okay, so, got you. Yeah, I learned by doing. So I'm like, that. this person I'm following saying, you can get $100,000 of business credit. You can get 20 from this bank, 20 from that bank. Or if five friends get together, you get 20, you get 20. So I'm sitting there like, child, let me see what this is about. Um, And I started reaching out. I didn't even know and understand credit. And this was, I got my house in 2017. So it's a lot of things that I learned really, really fast. And I, I was a student my entire life, you know? And so mm-hmm. I was like, what am I? I never had a break from school. And so I'm like, all right, so at this moment, I need to figure out how this is going to work for me. And even in that situation, I didn't see myself being a full-blown entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I was like, let me get this one house and let me see how that go. And then maybe I'll buy some more. And, and, and it honestly happened. So I got my house 2017, um, 2019, 2018, I had left um, the one school that I was working at and I went to work for another school in New Jersey and I was working Mm -hmm. in HR. And so I'm on Twitter and I'm just sitting there like, I don't have no interviews. I don't have anything to do today. Like I'm bored and I can't do this. I can't. I'm like, maybe I should go back to the classroom, whatever, what have you. So I had reached out to a friend who I went to um, at Clark Atlanta with. And I'm like, he's from Baltimore. He was like, hey, um, I'm like, hey, I saw you post something on Twitter saying that you just purchased a house. Like, I'm interested. What's up? And so he told me um, he was like, yeah, just, you know, check out this auction. And I was like, all right, cool. I check out the auction before you know it. And we met we him and I set a date to go to Baltimore Mm because he's from there. So I was like, all right, cool. I started bidding on three properties. I made me an account. <laughs> I just started bidding. I'm at work bored. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I was like, what is going on? So somebody was going against me on the other two and I won one. So mm-hmm. I was sitting there, I was like, I don't know what I just did. So my coworker's like, what's going on? I was like, I just bought a house. She like, girl, no, what, how? And I was like, yeah, on this auction. Like, look, my phone started ringing. They calling me. I was like, oh my God. Now I knew nothing about uh, what I knew about Baltimore is the Black and Wax Museum and the Harbor and okay. the Wire. That's it. <laughs> Literally, that was it. I just knew that having property um, or and being an, a real estate investor, like what, what in my mind, what can go wrong mm-hmm. in the long run? Right. It's yes. an investment because mm-hmm. somebody listening to this or watching this will say a lot of things could go wrong. But in my mind, I don't think so. You know, it's an investment. That That's the point. So, and again, I learned, I learned along the way. So I bought that house. They called me. They like, yeah, you won. You have 30 days to submit the rest of the money. And I was like, all right, cool. Now I won it for 4,500. So I was like, okay, great. Like I got 4,500. Let me figure out the rest of this. Um, And so 
I got that house. I start signing up for my LLC. So then I was thinking about all of these companies and people on social media who like, you can do this and you can do that. I start joining Facebook groups, filtering through all of the comments where they give you step by step by step by step to do all these things on your own. And it really started working out for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, wow, this bank really did just give me $10,000. Yeah. They didn't even what happened this this company gave me this this company gave me that so i'm doing all these things so i'm like all right great so when i went to 30 days past i went to right before i went to close on that first property i was looked at this auction has a buy now section where it's no bid you want the house you tell them you buy it so while i'm with the close I, i was like yeah i'm interested in this house they was like okay well you can bring the money when you come okay great got another one and i was like all right girl what's now you got two houses. What's going on? <laughs> like, are you going to start fixing these? Like, what are you going to do? So I start getting on social media and I start telling people like, hey, like, I just bought a house in Baltimore for this, for that, for that, whatever. I started teaching people. When I tell you, um, I literally had over 15 people purchase more than 30 houses in 30 days. Wow. And I didn't have the following that I have now. I literally had probably like 3,000 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But it was, and I was like, oh my God, like this is crazy. And so literally that ignited the flame and I I went crazy. And when I say I went crazy, that was 2019, 2020 during a pandemic. Um, This is how I started with the stock market. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, pandemic hit and I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is crazy. All these people is getting all types of money. Um, unemployment, all types of funding or whatever. I don't care what they were doing. I'm like, these people are getting over hundred thousands of dollars and I'm sitting here working. I'm just teaching my class on Zoom because, you know, we in a pan- I'm like, this is insane. Um, and I was jealous. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of my success is due to heartbreak. <laughs> mm, right? Like these things, things that even, you know, growing up, school was my way of out. Like I didn't, I wanted to get away from you know, what it is that was going on in my household. So I had to stay at school, stay at school. The longer you stay at school, the less time you got to be home. You get home, you eat. If you eat, you go to sleep, you wake up and you go back back to school. Yeah. That's it. So for me, I needed things that was going to keep me busy. So I'm sitting here, I'm on, on the zoom. I'm just like, this is a lot. Now I did teach, um, the last subject that I taught while I was teaching was African-American history. Um, love teaching that. And so during the pandemic, I did travel. And so I literally did the slave trade. So oh, I went okay. from, from here to Europe, from Europe to Africa, Africa to the West Indies, back to the United States. And I'm grateful to be able to, you know, give my kids that experience. And had it not been for COVID, that I wouldn't have been able to do that. So I'm actually, you know, in Senegal at the door no return on Gory Island, like giving my students this experience, that's different versus me just teaching this in a classroom or even just on Zoom regularly. Um, So I was very grateful for that. So anyway, I'm on here. I'm like, all these people is running around with this money and they just buying designer clothes and I'm just sitting here like this. This is insane. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was like, you know what? One of my friends, I never watched stories on Instagram. I went on her Instagram. I click on her story and she was saying she made this money off the stock market. And I'm like, oh, here we go. This is another Ponzi scheme or something like (laughs) this is a flower. I was like, I don't know what's going on. So then I started looking into it. So now I'm on YouTube. Now I'm on Google. And I'm like, whoa, hold up. All right. Let me get me a Robinhood account. So I get the Robinhood account. And the very first trade that I made was with Ross. 
So mm-hmm. Ross was the store, and I, again, I know nothing. I just know that all of my friends was waiting for Ross to open. Ross was like one of the last retail stores to open. So I was like, I still don't know what's going on. So I did a, a place to call um, and Rob, on Robinhood, of course, for Ross, and I spent $69. Mm-hmm. That $69 made me over $980. It Like with my initial investment and my profit, it was like a little over $1,000. So I was like, mm-hmm. I can bring this money. <laughs> I not believe it. I, could, I was like, you mean to tell me I just did this and what happened? And so me not knowing nothing, I go right back in. I'm keep buying. I'm keep buying because in my now in my mind, this ain't really my money. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. I won this, but my money. So then I lost five hundred dollars and I was like, wait, hold up. I I I need to figure this out. And yeah. so that's when I started digging deep. And when I started digging deep in the stock market, I was like, Oh, all right, cool. Now I know this. I'm already a teacher, so I started teaching people that. Mm-hmm. And so to literally teaching them and I still have the class of the beginnings. Right. So some people think that you have to have all this experience in the stock market and what have you to learn just the basics of how to invest and the minimum investment, all of those things. So I definitely have a class, you know, to get people more comfortable and let them, you know, invest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so with that, six months passed, I made 90,000. Mm, 90,000 in six months in the stock market. In the stock market, trading options. All right, so now I got a couple of questions. I want to a couple of things I want to ask you, right? So we go step back. Yeah. A couple of things I took from what you're saying um, as you're yes. speaking. One of the things is, you know, how you always told like, you know, watch the company, you keep the people around you. And yeah. what I take from your story is like that's not just in real life; that's also online, right? So yeah. your circle online matters just as much as the people you're around in terms of how you, you know, look use social media, right? Absolutely, that's part of your story. Next question I have for you is. Growing up in the environment that you did, um, it seems to me, and I've, I've talked to others who grew up in those like same situations who are now successful. And it's like yeah. one of the things that's um, a common thing is like, well, when you go through that, it's easier to take risks because you're like, when I come from that, like what's really going to happen to me? I've already yeah. went hungry. So it's like, do you think that's part of like what makes you able to take these risks and just take action that way is because of what you've already been through? Absolutely. Everything that I have ever been afraid of has already happened to me. Mm. So at what point, you know, like if anything, it would be me limiting myself, right? Mm -hmm. You grew up struggling. Um, you, you, you literally had to figure it out. Even, even when my mom wasn't on drugs, you know, Mm -hmm. what do you want to do at this point? And I've always said this to myself and I've always said this to my students as well. At the end of the day, regardless, I don't care how old you are. You are always in control of your own. Any, You're in control of your life. Any decision that you make, you make because you want to make it. When mm-hmm. kids will come into the classroom, they know they have a cell phone. You made a decision to pull that phone out. You made a choice to, to come to school on time. You made a choice to wear a uniform. You made You literally make choices in your own life. So why would I? beyond 18 blame any of my failures and or successes on my parents Mm -hmm. it's my life and if it's if at any situation any point you don't like it guess who had the opportunity to change it you so for me yeah to continue to walk or live in fear what was the point of me going away to school what was the point of me wanting anything other than my comfort zone 
And that's what a lot of people don't don't like. People don't like things that's hard. Like I would I would never tell my students like this. Oh, this is hard. Or college is hard. We got to be mindful of the words that we say and the things that we project. Fear yeah. comes from you know it literally somebody projecting something. That's mm. what I believe. So you know, getting back to where you talked about making the ninety thousand too, right? You took that risk because, you know, we just talked about you being able to take risk. What was the experience like when you figured out how the game actually works? Right. So everybody has I call it like a matrix moment when you finally realize, like, yo, I've been lied to my whole life. Like people are out here making money um, without even leaving their couch. Like what was that experience for you when you had that, that when you actually realized, like, I can own assets or make these trades and I can make an income? What was that like for you? That was was like. I felt like it was the cheat code. <laughs> like, I was like, wow, you know, what, what, any of those games, uh, I don't know, let's just say Grand Theft Auto, when you do all types of, literally, a cheat code to get yeah. the fastest car, I really felt like I broke the cheat code. Like, I'm on my way to wealth now. Mm -hmm. So to to know, to, to be, and, and it also, like, I love history. So when I think about all these things, I'm like, I grew up thinking that the stock market was for white people. Like that was never anything that I I don't know. I didn't know any black person who was into the stock market. I personally did not, even if it was somebody on TV, I, I never knew them. Mm -hmm. Who was that? You know how sometimes you can see yourself in, in certain things like, oh yeah, we, all right. You know, we had a black president like, all right, cool. So yeah. somebody else can be the president who's black. Mm -hmm. I, I never seen that at all. So I'm sitting there like, yo, I'm really doing this. I, I when I tell you I could not believe it, but honestly, that was the first matrix moment, um, which I kind of skipped over that when I bought the properties in Baltimore and I was like, okay, cool. Again, I'm home. Everybody getting this money. Um, what is that? April sixteenth, I purchased a block in Baltimore. Mm. And so, at that moment, when I when you grow up, you typically hear your parents and family members or whoever your teacher say. You can be whatever it is that you want to be when you grow up. I've never felt that way until that moment, until April 16th, 2020 is when I honestly felt like I could be anything I wanted to be in the world. Because you bought a block. Because I bought a block. That's Who, powerful. I, at 26. Yeah, that's powerful. I Again, nothing that even to this day, and, and this is one thing that I always tell a lot of entrepreneurs um, and people in general, because we are so hard on ourselves, or at least I am. It's like you got to celebrate the small wins. You have to celebrate the small wins. So for, for me, of course, that was a big win. But it was I was so used to like running, 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 running. What's next? What's what? What's next? What's next? What's next? That I never I had to really sit down to think about like, damn, you really did that. Like you did it. Mm. by yourself you know and and when i'm thinking about all the things that my family and people around me didn't did not do ever or things that they don't don't have access to all because their their resources are limited in terms of education and it doesn't mean it, it means nothing in terms of like how many degrees you got or if you even have a high school diploma if you are not exposed to certain things or certain people you will never be in those shoes yeah this is true this is absolutely true that's listen you preaching because let me tell you something one of the reasons why we do this podcast is for that reason because mm -hmm. believe it or not in 2021 um and i say this on a couple episodes i've had people say 
I didn't know that our people do this or our people do that. Like, and, and it's shocking to me because it's like, yo, the internet is there, but um, it's it's good to see people that look like you doing these things, right? Because now I can go online because of the circle that I've cultivated and see people trading options, see yeah. people buying property, see people trading futures, doing all kinds of amazing stuff. Absolutely. Um, and that's why it's important about the circle that you put around you too. Um, right. So you're living a full movie at this point, right? Yes. <laughs> you're living a full movie. I got a couple questions for you. Along yes. this journey, is there any specific book or something that's inspired you? Yes, The Four Agreements. Nice. The Say, Four Agreements. Don Miguel Rios, right? Yeah. Yes. The Four Agreements, that is, I feel like that's like the book of life. It is such a short, quick read. Um, but it made me feel, I don't know, I've got so much from that book in general. Mm-hmm. Um, one book that I'm actually currently reading now, and it made me, I have a different perspective of this person. I now know who Curtis Jackson is versus 50 Cent, and my respect level is like is super hustle, hustle smarter? Yes. I just, yes. Finished, I just, I literally just finished that like a couple weeks ago. Listen, such an amazing book. Like, it's, you know it's, crazy? it's really good. All right, it's crazy. I'm going to bring this up. We want to a little tangent. I was telling okay. someone the other day, right, because I read 50's other book too, right? You got a couple other books. I said, I actually might like 50's books better than his music. Like, and then that's, I know it's a crazy thing to say because he's known as being 50 something, but his books, right. like his it's business different. books, like even like the 50th Law was another good one, right? The 50th Law, if you haven't read that I one, read that. yeah, so that was before this one, but his books on like um, entrepreneurship and just mindset, um, I think are probably better than his music. Like, so that definitely was a good book. Absolutely. And then, you know, he talks about that too. So that's why I said, like, I have a respect, you know, I now know the difference between 50 Cent and Curtis Jackson. And so if anything, I want to meet Curtis Jackson. I'm not worried about G-Unit or 50 Cent. (laughs) I mean, I understand the hood life, you know, the the gunshots, I'm that. You know, we on a different level now. So, Mm -hmm. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. So those are some that's some good books right there. So now, yeah. other question, right? And you 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 yeah. shared a lot, and thank you for sharing a lot. If you had absolutely. to look back at your journey to see where you got to now, what would you say is the biggest hurdle for you personally that you had to get over to to achieve what you have and to put you in the place you are now? The biggest hurdle, believe it or not, is survivor's remorse. Mm, okay, go into that. So, yep, I um been in therapy for three years now three years. Uh, shout out to my therapist. I think everybody should go to therapy. Um, but before you, survivor- before you tell the story, let me ask you this question. Yep. Yeah. Because in our community, the way therapy is looked at is kind of, I was just having this conversation with someone um, in my family and I was telling them like, you know, therapy, we got to actually start to have these conversations. How did you get to the point where you actually went to therapy? And was that a difficult decision for you to go? Because I know how it's looked at in our community. Yes, it was a very difficult decision for me to make um, in my community. And I felt like this was one thing that I didn't necessarily want to like. I'm an open person, but I didn't want to openly talk about it initially when I was thinking about it. And so at 25, I didn't know who I was. And it's because school was life for me. I always did went to school, always had two jobs while I was in college, joining my sorority, doing all these things. So and even um, when I became a teacher, I was getting my master's. And so now I'm 25. I have my master's degree. When I come, I've been teaching the same thing for three years. But when I come home, when I get off of work and I come home, I have nothing to do. I didn't already called my parents. I didn't already graded everything. I did not know who Coco was. What do I like to do? You know, what? what is that? I couldn't necessarily sit in silence. My mind would just be running, 
running, running, running, running, running, thinking things that I've never thought about before, thinking about things that happened to me in my upbringing, like just so much. And it was it was very traumatic. And Mm -hmm. I would go out, you know, with friends or or whoever. I could be having a great time. I can have mid shot in the air and my mood just changed and I'm ready to go home. I don't want to talk to nobody like and I don't know where that was coming from. And so I was like, I even even at the new job, I had got a new job. So I'm there. I'm like crying in the bathroom. I, I was a person I felt like, listen, you I've been through so much in my life. Cry for what? What you crying for? I deemed for me crying as being weak. But it, it was okay for absolutely everybody else to, to cry. But, you know, when you're the strong person for everybody, you don't have no, you feel like you don't have nobody to turn to. And you don't yeah. want them to view you as being weak. Mm-hmm. And so I would tell myself that I was weak. And, you know, we self-sabotage, or me, I'll speak for myself, used to self-sabotage so bad, so bad. Um, and then I was like, I have to, I have to find me a therapist. So I started reaching out. I started calling insurances. And and one thing that I realized in that process, had a job, you know, had benefits. So they was taking it. They was going to pay for therapy free of charge. It's already included. I'm calling and all the therapists that I'm trying to go to, they're like, oh, we don't accept your insurance. We don't accept your insurance. This happened three times. So Mm. I said, if I was somebody in crisis who literally was contemplating taking my own life, I would have did it. How, how do you get turned down three Scary. different times? Yeah, All because crazy. I don't have state insurance. That's crazy. I, when I tell you I, I couldn't believe it, I, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, this is an issue. This is a problem. I, I'm like, I, I couldn't believe it, but I was successful. Thank God. Found my um therapist and my therapist has definitely made my life 10 times better. Okay. My changing my mindset like the way i think if something didn't go my way before i would be upset pissed livid now i'm thinking like and this you know what what could you learn from this what could you take away from this situation this is a learning moment right now why do you think x y and z didn't happen or maybe that now is not the time and i am a believer that everything happened for a reason and what's for you will never ever miss you we're promised two things in this world the day that we come in and the day that we leave that's it. Mm-hmm. Everything in between, it's up to you. Yeah, man, that's powerful stuff right there. So if you had to like pinpoint, and I guess you just said that, you know, but I want to make sure I ask you this question. Um, yeah. I think this is an important conversation about therapy. Um, yeah. How, if you had to pinpoint one thing in, in terms of how it's improved you the most, maybe in business or personal, what, what would you say about like therapy? You said it's been three years now. So yeah. over those three years and taking therapy, like, what do you, how would you say it's improved you as a person, as Coco? How has it helped you the most? I'm vulnerable now. Like, I know what it what it feels to actually feel, right? Like, we grow up numb to a lot because of what we've been through. Yeah. And so our students or people, you know, in in our communities, when when they experience whatever it is that they experience, like a lot of people dying now, you know, the the violence and all that. It was just like, oh, that's just a, that's just another, you know, it's, it's that's what happens. That's normal. Yeah. And so because I never used to cry, you know, my emotions was literally detached. So anything could happen. I would just be like, all right, cool. You know, be rolling with the punches, but not anymore. I'm in a place where I'm actually able to feel in the moment. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm human again. Like, I like, wow, you know, if something hurt my feelings, I'm able to say that I'm able to speak up. I'm able to adjust the, my tone. 
right? I'm not thinking about, you know, just my own self. I'm not being closed-minded, but thinking of considering other people at the same time too, because it's in this, in the world or where I grew up anyway, you all, it's all for self. You got to worry about you. Nobody else is worrying about you. Yeah. And so, and, and, and just in that, like just being vulnerable, being vulnerable. Wow. Listen, I, I thank you so much for sharing that, man. This is, this is an amazing conversation. Um, sheesh. So let me ask you this, a couple of things, right? So I noticed that you also got into the vending business. Um, yeah. And you had a specific strategy that you use in vending. How did you get into the vending business? Listen, it was simple. I saw that. I was like, okay, like at this point, I think when you become an entrepreneur, your brain just opens up and <laughs> like you're super duper creative and figuring out what's next, what's next, what's next. As an entrepreneur, if you don't work, you don't eat. Mm-hmm. Point blank period. If you don't work, you don't eat. And this is why a lot of people stay at their jobs, which is not a problem because I had a nine to five too. I just figured it out. Um, but it, with a traditional job, you understand stability, you know, for mm-hmm. sure that you get paid when you get paid, how much overtime you got to put in to make an extra 20, 30, how much ever, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, those things as an entrepreneur, you don't know that at all. So now, now that I'm an investor, I, I buy income. So I need all of my money has to make me something. <laughs> so if I don't get on a stock market today, if I don't do anything, you know, anything that I would actually normally do, if I'm not selling a house, so I'm not wholesaling a house, or if one of my tenants didn't pay rent, like, how am I going to eat? So yeah. the, it has to keep going. It has to keep going. So I was an educator. I was in education for six years. I also, I'm a person who, you know, I love to network. So I'm going to talk to whomever it is, wherever I go, it doesn't matter. Somebody, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do. If you're the janitor, I'm treating you the same way I would treat the CEO. Um, and so I saw, uh, I'm like, all right, I need some vending machines. I know what the schools need. I was a teacher. I know what mm-hmm. teachers want in vending machines. Like, who wants to keep going outside to the poppy store? You don't have enough time, whatever. Cool. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Uh, one of my business partners, who's also a principal, I'm like, well, I can just put vending machines at her school. I mm-hmm. can just do that. Oh, great. So I reached out to the people. I said, hey, um, you know, they said they're selling these vending machines. I go. I purchased two, and that was on a Wednesday. I'm like, I need five by Friday. Now, I'm because I'm a risk taker, I, I'm not putting five vending machines in, in one school. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, if I could, I would. But I'm like, I'll figure out the rest later. I'm not worrying about that, but let me get them while I have the money. Um, and so I sold some Apple stock, uh, some options, and purchased purchased two vending machines. Thursday, I had three more. So when I went back, so I bought two on Wednesday, bought three on Thursday. And when I went on Thursday, I said, listen, um, either I can buy all these machines from you and sell them myself or we can partner. And they was like, oh, no, 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 we can partner. And I said, all right, cool, done deal. Nice to a business. And so since then, it's been up. And I've been selling vending machines, <laughs> selling vending machines with locations, some just vending machines by themselves. Or, and when I say with locations, vending machines that's already uh, placed at a location. So if you are somebody who's interested, you don't have to do anything but replenish your machine. We'll teach you how to work the machine. Um, Everything that you need to know about the machine, give you the keys, and it's yours. Mm, interesting. I might have to get with you on that one. You gotta, uh, you gotta already turn turnkey it, business. That's it, and that's the thing. It's like if as long as you are showing people and you're educating them. And one thing I can say about us, and when I say us, and not that I'm speaking for all black people, but mm-hmm. you gotta show us. 
You yeah. can't just be on here talking about, yeah, I own this and I sell this and I, you have to show people. Absolutely. Absolutely. You gotta show us. And I'm, yep. uh, that's fine. Yeah. Because I'm in yeah. a position where I, I really am. Like, you know, no cat. Like, I'm really everything <laughs> that I'm saying. It's the truth. It's real. Success listen, has results. Mm hmm. Yeah. Listen, you outside right now as we speak. You on the road. I, so I'm, I'm, I'm outside right now. I'm like, that's never right. Home. That's right. Listen, um, you are literally living. The, your next step now is to write the book because you're living a movie. I, I don't know. I don't know if you know that or not, but you live in a movie. You. I started writing a book in 2017 when I started therapy. I started okay. writing a book and then I start like getting super busy. Um, so I have like two books in the making in terms of like about my life. I do have an ebook out, um, but that's not about, you know, my journey or entrepreneurship yeah. or what have you. That's more so geared to real estate and investing. But um, I definitely do. I have to finish the book. Um, there's so much that I need to add now. And and mm -hmm. I think that's something that I'm going to read over and over and over again. No, listen, because you have an inspiring story. And, and there's probably like so many. I think about all the, um, you know, little black girls in North Philly that will like yeah. see your story and be inspired. Right. Because um, you're one of them and, and, and you've you've you know done tremendous things and you'll continue to do tremendous things. So first and foremost, I just want to say that I'm proud of you and thank you so thank much you. for sharing your story. I'm pretty sure your mom is proud. Like I, I know, like, you know, yes. the, entire journey, the entire journey you guys have been through. I'm pretty sure she's extremely proud of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. She is. Yeah. And also I shout out to all your mentors, too, because one of the things that um was prevalent in this story uh, that you told was how many people. Mm -hmm actually yep. helped you out. So like shout out to all the mentors out there because that's so important. And as you guys can see, like I'm really enjoying this conversation. And now you see why I had to have her on her tell her story because her story is she's literally so when you listen to this, you'll know years from now when the movie comes out, you know that you heard her tell her story here. Because <laughs> you live in a movie. But Coco, listen, um again I just want to wish you continued success. I want to say thank you. And I want to tell you to keep sharing your story even outside of here. Just make sure you do that because you're helping and inspire you inspire me. Like, you know, I feel like Thank I have you. to do something right now. So, um, you know, <laughs> no, seriously, though, I got to listen, because, you know, now you're in a position where we have to reach back and help other folks. You talk about the people that helped you. So yes. it's, incumbent, it's incumbent upon us to do the same thing. Right. So, Absolutely. you know, so you definitely inspired me. So I just want to say thank you. Um, and I will make sure to put all of your links and anything that you got going on within the show notes as well as the description. So for the folks listening or watching, mm -hmm. please go check out Coco. Shoot her a message. Like, you know, check out everything that she's got going on. She's the real deal. She's out here helping our people. Um, she's about our people first and foremost. And that's very important to me. So um, just want to say thank you. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. Um, just to, you know, be able to share a space like this, I think is amazing, right? I think all that you do is great. And I've been following you for some time. And so even for us to connect, I was like, ah, like, I feel really, really good about that. Yeah, I do. Um, and y'all keep up the good work. It's so much that I, I have to, con you know, learn. I'm a forever learner at the yeah. end of the day. And I don't think, you know, it never, for me, learning never stops. And so it's a lot of things that I actually got to circle the block. And, hey, and listen, listen, we we family now, so we're gonna help each other. You're gonna teach hey. me, we're gonna talk crypto, we're gonna do the whole thing. So it I is, got you. Man. I got you. So, listen, for the folks out there, please follow Coco, check everything she's got going on. The sister's amazing, she's powerful, and I can't wait to see what you do in the future. Um, to our audience out there, make sure you subscribe, share this, make sure you share this because this is a powerful story. Um, and as we always say, it's not about how much money you make, it's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll check you guys out in our next episode. Peace. Yeah.